Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I want to talk to him. One of the great arts of conversation. Sounds charming. The only thing that sounds better is the radio. Well, I tune right in at midnight. Pretending to the radio waves I hold my thoughts till they were just right Always listen to the Bradley J I was opening views with ears on the news As they talked I was focused so much I called on the phone in my car and my home Came out in control and in touch the middle, the sound, and the thoughts that surround When they said, speak up, I didn't walk Ooh, J-Talk talk talk WBZ BZ, I'd like to thank Bruce Springsteen for banging that little <laughs> thing out for me. Thank you. We're like this. WBZ, your J talking live midnight to five. We were Chachi Lepret of BC. I think of him as from BCN, but <laughs> I still he's am. from ZLX and a bunch of other stuff. WUMB, my Breakfast with the Beatles show on in New breakfast Hampshire and Maine. Breakfast on in three states now. And, and I have really, my, congratulations! Yes, and I have my Beatles podcast. Get back to the Beatles and the it, Boston Podcast Network. Just as an aside, is Ringo the best drummer? Yes. Okay. Best backbeat in the business. Left-handed drummer that played a right-handed drum kit and made him very unique, unlike uh, many other drummers. Great man. He doesn't get enough credit for being the. A good he does drummer. not, but now he does uh, for what he's done okay. uh, in his in the band. So that's we're a, good friends. A little know. taste of Breakfast with the Beatles, right there. Thank you very much. Great and show. Uh, Harry Boris, founder of the Boston nightclub, The Channel. Not only is it a, a, a place, but it's a time for me. It's an entire chunk of my life. This, this golden 80s decade. There was a lot of money floating around in the 80s. Dried up later on. Remember promotionally, Chachi, how much money there, there was in the uh, 80s? The ski, the ski team. And there's a lot of money for promotions with clubs. Yes. Yeah. It was about creativity. And yeah, it was you had about, the money to be creative. And every promotion had to have a music tie-in. Remember that? Yeah. Oedipus would say, right. whatever we do has to be tied into the music, to the product of what we do on the air. Right. And that was a great thing. Yep. It was really awesome. So, uh, Harry says about 10,000 shows over the years, 10,000 sets, excuse me, 3,000 shows. About 3,000, approximately 3,000 individual shows. Did you used to watch the shows or did you like do, were you backstage with your green visor and your ledger <laughs> working the numbers? Counting well, the money. it's, it's, you know, I, I was lucky enough to have a pretty good support team. My brother used to be the, uh, operations manager and, uh. I had a lot of people that uh, you know helped, and you know I I love music, always love music, but it was hard to enjoy a show at the channel because I was always looking to make sure that the sound was right, that the bartenders weren't stealing, that the bouncers yeah, what, were let's, being. Let's yeah. go to a show. What are you doing? It's almost show. You know, two three hours before. What's a day in the life of you at the channel during a show? Well, 
I I was I I made a point of being in my office early every morning because I figured you know most club owners sleep in, and I was calling agents and calling media people and you know getting uh, the things worm. done. You were yeah, getting I, the I worm. Was, I, was, I was so a lot of times I wouldn't last uh, you know until two in the morning mm -hmm. to see a show because most of our headliners would go in like at twelve o'clock midnight. So a lot of times I would leave and come back. Uh, but again, it was hard for me to really enjoy a show because I was I had to watch a million, you know, a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. you know. So you had to you had to watch the sound system. You had to keep an eye on the on the employees so they didn't steal. Yeah, I mean, what was the, how, how did you keep track of that? How did you prevent them from that? I mean, it makes it sound like they're all trying to get you. They yeah, no, no, no. pouring uh, pouring their uh, friends' uh, drinks and not charging it's not, them. It's not, DJs most, extra drinks. Most people are honest. Okay? Yeah, and we were. We were okay with, uh, you know, giving, uh, you know, a little bit of liquor away to people that, uh, you deserve know, it. deserve it and, and helped us and everything else. And for the most part, we didn't really have a lot of problem uh, with stealing. But there was a lot of things to watch. You had to watch, you know, sometimes if you have 1,500 people in the room or 1,600 people and, a you know, maybe 15 bouncers and, you know, 12 or 14 bartenders and sound people and production guys and... You know, you got to make sure that the doors are all cleared, that, that there's no disasters, you know, if, if there's ever an evacuation. All those things, uh, you know, you can't take for granted. You, we, we have, you have to be really careful. What time would you generally get out of there? Oh, if, 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 I, if I stayed to close, like three. But, but for the generally? Most part, I, generally, I would, I would leave, you know, after the rush hour, unless, unless there was a show I really wanted to see, I would leave. You know, I'd be there like at nine, and I'd leave at six, seven, eight sometimes. Sometimes I'd see, I'd, I'd stay and watch the the opening shows or something. You talk about the sound system, and so we have to bring up. Well, there were two sound systems. There was the first. There was one for about eight years. Then another one brought in by another guy. Can you tell about both of those? Sure. Well, uh, when we first went in there, we put in uh, just a small sound system that we had rented. Uh, it, it, we thought immediately that we should have our own sound system because we wanted to m make sure that we could put a lot of bands and there was no problems with set changes and equipment load-ins and load-outs. So we put in a sound system, and we had uh, a guy named Peter Vinalia, and he had a small system. It was, uh, you know, it was a pretty good system. It was an arena uh, a type of system. Some of the, as a matter of fact, he said some of the uh, uh, boxes that he had had been used at uh, Shea Stadium for a Beatles concert and at Woodstock. That's right. And he, you know, they were rebuilt, but they were, they were. That's what they had been used. So he put up the original system with the the, the big big boxes on the sides and, mm -hmm. the, and hanging the uh, mid ranges and everything. And he operated it for years. He operated it probably for till eight, I think until eighty seven, about seven years. And then he got out of the business. He sold his stuff. He, uh, you know, he decided he didn't want to do rock and roll anymore. And, and you didn't buy it? Well, obviously. We didn't really, we were, you know, you have to be in the, in the business in order to be able to maintain a system because okay. it's very difficult. There's a lot of problems. So we needed a sound engineer. So, so Dinky Dawson came and uh, basically he, he bought some of the system. He, you know, he, uh, he brought a new soundboard in and he took over. He, it was pretty much the same design that Peter had put in. Peter was kind of like a, like a sound genius. I mean, he had one distinction. Uh, one year, we were selected by Boston Magazine as the worst sound system in Boston. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Peter made it sound good. Well, he was he was kind of proud of that, and the not the the best was a uh, symphony, uh, you know, the Symphony Hall. Mm -hmm. That was the best sound system. 
So, and that was by Boston Magazine, and we didn't think they really understood what we were trying to do. You know? So talk about Dinky Dawson. Dinky was there, and he was a colorful character, and he, he, had, he had experience with uh, some big bands. Uh, he was on the road with Fleetwood Mac. And, uh, he was like a 1962 English guy with giant he was mutton chop. Mutton uh, chops. And, uh, uh, sideburns yeah. and yeah. this weird Greek, Liverpool kind of, some kind accent, of weird accent. And a, <laughs> and a fisherman, Greek fisherman's cap. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he knew sound, and he, and he took care of sound for, for quite a while. And quite he w- was pals with Fleetwood Mac, he, et cetera. He, That's one of his claims to fame. Yes, yes. We never I guess that saw them, Mick Fleetwood and some of those people be wandering around when he was in town? I never saw them, but... Uh, that's the rumor. That's the rumor, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's not true. I don't know. It might have been. I'm not sure. Any shows for you that stand out? Just, wow, you can't believe how great that show was. First time I saw English Beat. English Beat. I was blown away. And we ended up doing English Beat a lot. And we did one show. Uh, they kind of had gotten big. And we ended up doing a show at uh, Walter Brown Arena. Wow. And English Beat headlined, sold out, and R.E.M. opened for them. Wow. R.E.M. was the opening act. Mm. That had to be 1980. It was, I think it was, no, it was, I think it was 83. 83? 83, I believe so. I'm not, it was either, 80, it was they were, either 83 or 84. Wow. It wasn't 81. Whew. But, the, but it, the English beat blew me away. But there were other shows that, that, were, that were really good. Um, you know, I, I loved Steppenwolf. Because, Steppenwolf. Because I just like, you know, he was. That was a, an early on show, wasn't it? was it? an early on show and he did surprisingly well. And uh, the show was amazing. You know, and I think he had lost much. You know, he just, uh, it, it was a great show. And I love Levon Helm, you know, who's, uh, mm. I still do. I mean, he's passed away, but he's still, people produce music up until he died. Um, Roy Orbison was a great show, James Brown. B.B. King was an amazing show, and he was an mm-hmm. amazing person. One of the nicest people I ever met was B.B. King. Yeah. And he was a very nice guy and very well, talented. We're going to take a break, take, take a call from Tank. Oh, Tank's oh, calling. Tank. And uh, anyone else, 617-254-1030. Tell us about a show you attended at the channel. I, we want to hear about your experience at Boston's Channel Nightclub. And hey. if you don't have one, call your friend and have that you know went and had a good experience. Have them give us a shout. Because we have, you know, we have the luxury of time. I also, Peter, can, excuse me, Harry, can you think about some things that went wrong? There's a story that has to do with Spinal Tap. but that, uh, I'm interested in all the things that went wrong with bands, things bands got angry about, things that you got angry about, weird demands on a rider, uh, <laughs> power blackouts, oh, fights. I, I got a couple, yeah. You know, I got a couple. The, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Keep yeah. it interesting here. Yeah, how long did I work with you, Chachi? Chachi O. Gee whiz, I don't know, 20 years? No, more than that, 1981 30. Yeah. to 1991 to 2001. Okay, 20 years, I guess. Yeah, 20 years. Okay. But you know who first hired me at BCN? My first paying job was driving the van. Yeah. Tank hired me. I Tank. was making like three bucks an hour to drive the he van. He was a or terrible boss, wasn't he? He was an awful person. <laughs> <laughs> God, I can't stand that guy. Is he on the phone? Yes, he Oh, is. gee, he heard us. Right. Tank, what's going on? Hey. Hey, Tank. I couldn't believe, you know, I wasn't going to call, and then all of a sudden, Bradley reminds me that they had, oh. Oh, they had Milky Ways and Sky Bars. <laughs> yeah, Sky Bars. Oh, and channel. I love that. Oh, my God. And the other thing, Harry, hi. How you what doing, What I Tank? loved is that you guys used to bring in amateur boxers. Once. 
Yeah, from Ireland, and and I, I, I you had them, and I think you had them against a, a group of of Italian amateur boxers. <laughs> I think that was, and I think it that was, was tremendous. Yeah. Was that the first Live hardcore show? in the yeah. channel. I went nuts. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> what were you thinking? There, Harry. Did it work out? Was it good? It, it, was a, it was somebody convinced us that this was a going thing, and we kind of let them do it, and I didn't particularly like it did myself. It, did you make money? Nah. Nah. Oh, I thought nah. you hate that. Nah, there was <laughs> all that hassle for nothing. There was another guy that was trying to uh, talk us into doing a uh, dwarf to uh, tossing uh, <laughs> show. <laughs> We didn't do that one either. <laughs> you can't even say that now. I know. I <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all right. That's because you're speaking historically. It's, yeah, it's, it's, I, I never did it. I, I, I never. So Tank, uh, Tank was the producer of the lunchtime shows yeah. that that but we did some of at the channel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, but and also, you know, when I would drive the van. I'd get down there after the shows and give out bumper stickers, you know? Yeah. And everybody was always nice. That like, uh, I remember somebody came out and said, Hey, Tank, you want a Milky Way? I'm like, yes, of course I want a Milky Way. What, are you kidding me? You know, because I couldn't leave the van. I didn't know the Milky Way was such a big thing, Tank. It's a big deal. Milky Ways are a big deal. Sky bars, too. But yeah. the thing about Tank is he'd be out very, very late at shows with the van, and then he'd be producing Charles's big mattress show at 6 a.m. every yeah. day. And you know what his job, first job, as I understand it, Tank, his singular job was to wake up Charles to make sure he was there. <laughs> yes. right? well, well, yeah, well, I woke up Charles, and I used to go get Billy West, and I used to go get, uh, oh, God, uh, Mark, uh, oh, he was the music director, uh, Mark. Miller. Mark Miller. Mark Miller. Why did you have to pick up all these employees? Because they had to be there. Charles said, get it done. And Tank so would get I had it to done. get it done. What was it like, you know, working, and, and, what was it like working for Charles? Oi. <laughs> I called it Lockwoodera Boot Camp. Because, uh, see, I loved radio. I mean, I loved radio. And, and one of the things I liked about radio that I don't think anybody ever realized was that when I was a kid, I stuttered. And people used to make fun of me. And I would turn on the radio and I'd hear, hey, how you doing? Okay, you know, this is Bradley J on WBCN and blah, 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 you know. And I was like, wow, it would take me an hour and a half to say all of that, you know. <laughs> so I was impressed, you know. I mean, hey, woo, woo, I'm in Ginsburg, WMES, Boston. You know, I'd be like, my God. But how did you uh, lose your stutter? Uh, well, I, I uh, you really want to know. I, I, I was brought to a doctor. Uh, this is 1959, and, you know, the doctor had said, uh, I had said to the doctor, geez, I'm stupid, and everybody makes fun of me. And, and, said, and yeah, but said, we can uh, fix that stutter. Right. Yeah, and, and he said, <laughs> well, the thing is, your brain works faster than your mouth, so your mouth can't keep up with your brain. Hmm. And that was it. Oh, how about the time Tank, he was, had the van out at the Worcester Centrum, the BC Centrum, we used to call it, and no one knew where Tank was. They thought he was arrested. Tell me if I got the story right. No yep. one knew where he was, and they were knocking on the van, and they, they thought maybe he was arrested. He was sleeping in the back of the van, and no one could wake him up. Is that true? Yeah, it's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They called uh, uh, the police stations. Yeah. They called hospitals. Wondering what had happened because some people uh, had seen the uh, had seen the police over near the van at one point, and I was dealing with them. 
and 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 they you know and they thought something was good, but the cops just wanted BCN T-shirts. Yeah, you know, yeah. you could you could get the world back then for a BCN T-shirt. <laughs> that unlocked so many doors yeah. you wouldn't believe. Yeah. I, I mean, it was it was great. I was I, I lo- listen. I know you got a lot of callers. I want to go. I love this, Harry. The club was great. Thank God the Mad Hatter disco died. <laughs> Thank you, and Tank. the channel moved in. Yeah. The Thank channel was God. an anti-disco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we kept the, the disco dance floor just for that to kind of say, you know. <laughs> okay, Tank. Thank you, sir. Tank, Thanks, nice talking Tank. to Take you, care. man. Take care. Love you guys. Uh, Bye. Well, Boom. All right, let's tell some stories about some bands. And let's start off with the Spinal Tap situation. It's kind of fun for me because, as Chachi mentioned, Somehow I got to MC this band. So we had, we we booked Spinal Tap, and uh, you know they said they were they were doing a coast to coast tour. They were doing a show in Boston, one in San Francisco. I think they ended up doing one in New York too. So it's like only three shows. I think yeah, and so so they you know we were you know we were good sales you know most of the many of the people there thought that this was for real that this is a real band. They were heavy metal fans. They were heavy metal fans, and they were like all gaga about it. So it was it was a torrential rain. And it was raining like torrents. And uh, so we had a leak in the stage area, and the leak was right where the lead singer is supposed to stand. So it was pouring rain, and they're, they're doing sound check, and it's dripping. And we're figuring out, oh, Jesus, what are we going to do? So, so Costa and I went up to the, up on the roof, and we had these, you know, I said to him, get down here. He lived in Medford. I said, bring some tops. He brought these huge, you know, tops. <laughs> So we got him on the roof and we put rocks on top of it. It was blowing and it was like, we thought we were gonna get blown off into the Floyd Point Channel and drown or something, but we needed to get this show going and we put taps on it. We went over there and it had helped, but water was still coming in and it was a drip, like a steady drip right over the place where the lead singer was gonna, so he went, they weren't gonna do a sound check or anything. So we, we, we figured, you know, we said, what can we do? So basically we got a big ladder, we went up to on the roof where there was a corrugated uh, steel roof and we tied uh, uh, one of those five gallon buckets and the water was dripping inside the bucket. Ah, so you had it tied way above the band's head. About way above. Way so right above the, the singer's head was this heavy, heavy thing full of water. Well, we had uh, secured it pretty well with, pretty well. with some change. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but the thing is that if it, if it rained hard enough, it and it was, we had we had gotten the, the, the drip down to a manageable amount, and but if it rained, it would overflow and it would go into the, so they did this, the sound check, we kind of tried to rush it and everything, I told the sound guy, rush the sound check, so that we were, because it was raining like crazy. By the time they went on, the rain had subsided, and we left the bucket and there was a drip, but it, it did not overflow. That and was it was a luck. great, great show. It was a, a great good show. Did you make money on that show? We made money on the show, yeah. Everybody uh, can you share it. this with me since it's all yeah, long sure. time ago? Yeah. How much do you pay for a band like for Spinal Tap? I believe we paid them ten grand for one show. Ten grand, see, wow! Isn't that interesting? Because I have no idea. Crazy! I love this to, yeah. to know that ten grand. So you made What's money. Mean? We made money, yeah. And, and, and people thought they were a real band, and right, Eric? Yeah. Oh yeah, many of the many many of the uh, uh, of this audience members were metalheads, and they were like all with the chains and the spiked hair and the <laughs> and this other leather, and they just like they were into it, you know. Into so ten grand is a lot or not a lot. Well, I think the most we ever paid was uh, twenty five thousand for who? Um, B fifty twos. I love this information. And it was a lot and of money actually, back then. Roy Orbison he played two nights, and I believe we paid him thirty thousand for two nights. Wow! And but the, you know there were times when we'd buy a really good band. You know, Alvin Lee 
was right. like 2500 bucks. Oh, and all right. He, he kicked We us. need some more stories like that, and we have another half hour. Harry Boris and Chachi LePret talking about the channel nightclub. A couple more stories about bands, and then we're going to talk to Sean McMelly, who did some booking for the hardcore scene, because that was, that was big there for a long time. It wasn't my thing, but it was a lot of people's thing. So, Harry, tell me about the Fine Young Cannibals evacuation fine young cannibals good good band very must have been very crowded it was a very good band they were they were they had split off from the english beat and they came back and they they had some loyalty and they played for us and it was a sold out show and the band was uh, just started to go on and all of a sudden there was a tear gas canister had exploded inside the channel so we had to inv evacuate the club we had to call the police and they the, the bomb squad came down they they they, they you know, looked at the place to see. Everyone if had any. to leave. Every we had to bring everybody out, but of course we didn't want to give back, you know, fifteen hundred uh, uh, admissions because it was a sold out show. So after we cleared the house and we, you know, we basically opened the doors and put the fans on to get rid of the tear gas and the police swept the place to make sure there was no bombs. We let the people back in. Yeah. And the band played, you know, a little beyond curfew, I would say. But everybody was happy, and everybody left happy. We had a refund, a few uh, uh, admissions, but for the most part, it was a it was a great show. Do you not remember about how much Fine Young Cannibals cost? Fine Young Cannibals, uh, I want to say maybe twelve thousand dollars. See, I would never, wow. Chachi. I would not have any idea. I would think I you would know either. this stuff. Well, it, it, it was it was a different time. Money was. I just said different we would have no then. idea. So twelve grand how back much, then is different. How today. much would a ticket cost to five fine young cannibals? Well, it was probably. See, here's the thing: we had a capacity of uh, sixteen hundred, but we would sell fifteen hundred tickets because the other hundred would be employees, yeah. guests, bands, and everything else. So. If we did a show like the Fine Young Cannibals, and even if we got a $10 ticket price, the gross potential was $15,000. Yeah. So after the band got twelve grand, there would still be money that, you know, they also get some back-end money, which means after all our expenses are paid for the show, they get a cut of the remainder. So, so you paid, if you paid twelve grand and there's only fifteen grand, that's not a whole lot of money for you. Are you making the money off the alcohol? Of course. Is that how it works? I have no idea. Alcohol, merchandise. So you're happy to just break even on the band? Well, it costs money to put a show on yeah. because you have to pay a sound guy, a light guy. So that comes out of there's the remaining 3000 Yeah, and, and then and, then and the DJ. The DJ, MC. yeah, MC. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't get expenses like for security and for bartenders and cleaning and yeah. everything else, but the, shows, the, the expenses are directly related. And that's how it works even today with a lot of uh, uh, events. You know, the band gets a guarantee, and then they get that no matter what. If nobody shows up, they get their guarantee. But if the if but if the venue makes a lot of money, then there's a there's a split, and they get a, you know usually it was a sixty forty split. They get sixty percent of the of the profit, and then the promoter gets forty percent. Mm -hmm. I, I love that you talked about talk about this part of it because I had no idea. I bet a lot of people don't have any idea either. Mm -hmm. Either. You know, you know what a show that really interested me that that shows the diversity of the channel. Um, we were told, hey, this is a guy coming in with a, a, a type of music called juju music. Juju music. And I don't know if you remember this, Bradley J., but everyone was abuzz that King Sonny Adey oh, so I, was I, coming to the channel, and we all went from BCN. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I remember standing out in front, and he pulls up in a little Nissan car. Yeah. And he gets out and is oh, this King Sunny a day. And it was what a great night at the channel. It's such diverse music. It was really fun. There were like 14 guys on the stage, and they were all as tight as any band you'd ever see. 
just hot, you know, and people were so into it. They were moving. They were just. Were I just bought a King Sunny Adair record myself. You did? Yeah. <laughs> I think I Huge did. venue. Did you worry about fire? Yeah, it was always a concern. You know, there was a uh, there was a fire inspector in South Boston whose name was Tom Flaherty. He also owned a, a bar in South Boston. And he was a real good guy, and he was a tough guy. He, he was serious he, about his he fire prevention. He was serious. He, he, wasn't, he didn't want excuses. And I was always nervous because I remember, you know, I had read about the, the Coconut Grove fire in, the, in Boston where like 500 people uh, died because there was no uh, adequate. And I was always very, we were paranoid about that. My brother and I and everybody in the club were paranoid about it. We had guys at the at the doors, you know, making sure that they were never blocked. The road cases would Road get cases are an issue. They'd get bounced, and my brother Peter would kick them out even if it was snow and rain out there. He says, you, these, you can't get you them out get of these here. road cases out. out. And there was always clear paths, and, and Tom Flaherty would always make sure that they were. He was That's relentless. Yeah. Yeah. Any situations where the band was late or didn't show up at all? Well, there's many situations. Like, for instance, James Brown, right? He was supposed to go in at midnight. <laughs> so, so I'm like... Pacing, you know, it's like he's supposed to go on at midnight. Yeah. What's and up with that, right? So he's That's like, so it's like midnight. So I'm, you know, pacing back. <laughs> and you have there. a curfew of what? Two o'clock, you get to close. Then two quarter or two, everything's done. You know, last call so is one thirty. Uh, so you know, what we wanted is we wanted a whole evening of. It wasn't like a concert where you go in at eight o'clock, you're yeah. done by ten. We wanted people to hang out and have fun and and the clo close the night with a big band. So so James Ryan was scheduled to go on at uh, twelve. So. 12 o'clock, nothing, 12.15, nothing. Like by 12.30, you know, people were just like, hey, you know, it was. A, I, I think it was a weeknight. I think it was a Thursday night. Hey, we want to see the show. We're not going to, you know. So, so like by 12.30, 20 minutes of one, nothing. So I go in the, in the room. I said, look, if you don't come out, people are going to leave and we have to start. So he was there night. and he just wasn't coming out? He had these big curlers on his head, these big, <laughs> huge curlers. And it was his <laughs> wife, which was a young woman. She says, well, he has to get his hair done first. So he's like, he's got these curlers that ha they were plugged in. They were, they're like hot, big curlers. So he's like, so he ended up going on, going on uh, at quarter of one, 45 minutes late. Wow. You know, we had to give some money back and everything else. He did a great show. Did you dock his pay? I didn't, no. I, you can't dock James Brown. You know? <laughs> so you had to eat that. Well, we, you know, there was a few people. I mean, it was a good show. It was pretty much a sold-out show, so I didn't really, it wasn't, I, was, I wasn't You're too a good concerned guy. about it. I wasn't too concerned. And then Jerry Lee Lewis was another guy, right? He was a nut. A nut. <laughs> we, tried, we, tried, we, had, we had to rent the piano for him, like a big grand piano, and the, and the company wouldn't rent it to us because they said, that asshole, that guy, he's not going to, he's going to destroy the, uh, he's going to destroy the uh, the piano. We're not going to rent it to him. We had to post a bond and we had to give him a deposit so that, you know, the wow. piano would go back. Oh, Did know. he destroy the piano? He destroys pianos, yeah. He wow. destroys pianos. Okay, let's see. What, what you, can you, Sean, what microphone is that you're on there? It must be six, right? I'll turn, I'll hit this one. Can you turn on six, uh, Rob? Are you there? Okay, it's not working. Try it out. No, it's not. Oh, we're going to take a break. Okay. See if we can oh, fix it. There it is. There you go. Hey. All right. Live. So now we have with us Sean McMally, assistant GM, really. And you did a lot of booking for the hardcore shows. Uh, talk, talk about the hardcore scene. When did, it, when did it start up and what was involved? What was different about the hardcore shows and the scenes? And one thing, it was a lot of all ages stuff, right? A lot of all ages stuff. I, I got involved probably about halfway through the channel's um, lifetime. I got in around 84. I was at Northeastern. Um, 
I, I'll just tell you real quick, I got in the channel, the whole music thing touched me. I was working as a security guy at the Boston Garden. A friend of mine who worked there said, hey, my buddy's at the show tonight. You want to come see him? I said, yeah, whatever. It ended up being a show at the channel. It was Southside Johnny. I'd never been there before, and that place was absolutely jammed, crazy. Just And you loved it. I was like, I'm, next day, I literally came back and signed up to be a bouncer and five bucks an hour or whatever it was. <laughs> Uh, and from that point I stayed, so I was, you know, started as a doorman, became head of security, and eventually became assistant GM when I was like 22, so it was, I was, it was an amazing place, but I did get into the more of the hardcore, all ages, punk rock thing, uh, working with bands. You know, there were some massive bands in Boston area, like the SSDs of the world. Uh, SSD Dugs, Control? Yes. Um, Gangrene, The Freeze, some of these bands are still around, um, but they were like the forefront, really, I mean, not just in Boston, but nationwide. They were there before I got involved, but then I get involved with more like Slapshot. Um, you know, we brought in fans like the Bad Brains, Agnostic Front. I did Fugazi there, Sam Black Church, Only Living Witness. There were a bunch of, you know, Wargasm, other local bands that did really well. We did a lot of other all ages shows came in as well. Any bands were torn. We tried to help them out. But yeah, the matinees were a different scene altogether. The all ages thing was important to a lot of the bands. They wanted to have the kids come see them because you couldn't be come see a band at 21 plus. You have a lot less people showing up and it was definitely... That a, was a huge scene in Boston. For, yes. It was not my thing. I, I just was not a pit person. And speaking of the pit, <laughs> there are two versions of the pit. There's the actual pit, the verb kind of, and then pit, there's an actual depressed pit that you built. We did, yes. It was uh, Harry in the channel. We were, you know, we, I would see the, you know, at the beginning, we changed the position of the stage. It was a long throw, so it was the, the stage was facing, you know, the, the, cha the channel was 200 feet long. And so we changed the position so it was facing the long part. And I noticed that uh, on big shows, everybody would crowd up against the stage early, like way before the show, the show started. And uh, I, th I said, geez, maybe we should drop that area a little bit so the people in the back can see better. So we we went we took you know a couple of days when we were closed, and we cut you know uh, we cut like an area like a you know I think it was forty feet square so it was about sixteen hundred square feet, and we depressed uh, the area by eight inches, you know after you know we after when we after a while you know we started doing um, hardcore shows and a phenomenon known as slam dancing <laughs> came yeah. into being, and surf you know uh, crowd surfing and stage diving. And you know, even Iggy Pop, he basically was involved in an incident where he crowd surfed. He jumped off the stage, and he was actually on top. You know, people would have put their hands up and were holding yep. him up and brought him back to the stage. That became a thing. You know, for and a while. they did Iggy Pop did a live at the Channel album. He did. He did a live at the Channel, and there was a video. He also did a video. As a matter of fact, you can sometimes find it on YouTube. A video of, of him uh, performing live at the Channel. Okay, night. we have about twelve more minutes. Let's take a break. Maybe you got a couple more cool stories. I want to share some of my favorite bands. That, that there's Nina Hagen. Do you remember Nina Hagen? I remember her very well. That was a massive, <laughs> big, hot, sweaty show. That was, about, I think, that was the, the pinnacle of my my shows. There, we'll talk about that and maybe some others. It's WBZ. Jay talking. My my hey hey. Hey, pay attention. I'm talking for a reason here. All night long with Bradley J. With Bradley J. WBZ News Radio 1030. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Get that finger out of your ear. You don't know where that finger's been. What's that? A radio? Radio? It's a radio for speaking. This is Bradley. Bradley J. J. Talking. WBZ News Radio 1030. Little final segment here with Chachi, Lil Brett, and Harry Boris. The Channel Nightclub. Telling uh, we're finishing up with stories of uh, bands and the adventures <laughs> that are associated with them. And there was one with the band Two Live Crew. You told the story great during the break. Tell it exactly like that. So we booked a band named Two Live Crew after they were involved in some controversy in Florida because they, they had some lyrics that were a little, uh, you know, they were violent, anti-cop, they were swearing on. So we booked the band, we announced that it was a, it was a you know, it was not an all-ages show, it was 21 and over. And immediately we got some, some real bad feedback from a neighborhood, you know, the Boston City Council, as a matter of fact, I think it was the head of the city council, Jimmy Kelly called and said that that show should be should happen at the combat zone, not at not in uh, South Boston. Now, of course, the combat zone is contiguous to Chinatown, where there are residents, and we were in an area where they had no people other than a few lofts with uh, musicians and uh, artists. So we didn't see what the big deal was. It was an adult show, and if people swore on stage, I don't think that there was anybody's business or anybody's. It was art. It was art, exactly. That was your. That was your. So we get argument. Called, so we get called in front of the licensing board, um, and. Uh, you know, we we even got a lawyer that was able that was willing to work on this pro bono because he thought it was a civil rights issue, and we argued the case effectively. And the people, you know, and uh, you know, Jimmy Kelly, who was trying to ban the show, actually did not win. We were we were allowed to do the show, but we had to hire a uh, police detail, which was excessive. They had we had to hire something like uh, twelve uh, patrolmen and two sergeants uh, at a price of like almost three thousand dollars. I think it was twenty nine hundred dollars, and we had to pay in advance. So we, so we said, okay, we're going to do it. Of course, uh, up until all the publicity, the show was not doing well. And after all the publicity, they started selling like crazy. But? But <laughs> the day before the show was, uh, and I think we were probably half, of, half the show was sold out, which was pretty good for what we were paying for it, they canceled the show. So the show never happened. <laughs> and uh, it took us two months to get our money back from the police. <laughs> a lot of effort. Plus, there's the opportunity because you didn't have anything in that slot, did you? Or did you book something it, else? It, it was a Sunday, so it wasn't, you know, Sundays were not, not really, I mean, there were, there were Sundays when we were closed. So it wasn't like a Saturday night where we would have, to, we would be a disaster. You know, we ended up closing that Sunday. Okay. And it was okay. So, Harry, you're putting, once again, let's go through what you're putting together concerning the channel. There's the film featuring. No, no film. I have uh, no there's film. the documentary. <laughs> we have. We have a, you know, I've been, I've been writing a book for about 10 years, and I'm continuing to write the book. Uh, we started a podcast. Uh, a podcast. A podcast, uh, the, the beginning of the show, well, I think it was in April. And that's called? And it's called Boston Venue, The Channel. And you get it on iTunes. You get it on iTunes. You get it on thechannelstory.com. That's the, the channel story with the channel story. 
and you can get it on Spotify, you can get it on um, Radio Public. It's available pretty much uh, everywhere. And it's been doing quite well. We've, we, we have four episodes. Episode five is coming out in about three weeks. What are the first four episodes about? Well, the first episode starts uh, kind of when I got uh, uh, notified by the FBI last year. Oh, right. They were investigating a murder that happened at the So you're going backwards. Backwards. And then we're talking you know, back to the uh, 1980 when we first opened it and uh, how we opened it. And we talk about the music. We have some really interesting guests. We had John Butcher on the first one. We had Charlie Farron. We had a band uh, named... Um, Charlie Farron. Charlie Farron. Uh, we've got Bim Scalabim. We'll get the Boston's on the next episode. Boston's must have, must mighty, have mighty played a uh, hundred times there, right? They played there a lot. A lot of times. A hundred times, but they played there quite a bit. They were a very good band, very, very popular. And uh, we got uh, Ian McKay, who who was in uh, Mind of Threat, threat. is, is going to be a guest on a future one. Uh, the Stompers are going to be a guest on, on a future uh, That's episode. That's great. So, uh, yeah. What local band made the most money for you? Well, that's a tough question. The Stompers would have to be up there. The Fools, the Atlantics, John Butcher. Um, Human Sexual Response? Human Sexual Response. They didn't play that often, but when they did, they did very well. Yeah. Uh, Girls' Night Out was a good. Uh, uh, did the offshoot band. of Human Sex Response the Zulus ever play there? The Zulus did. Yes, the Zulus did. are going to actually do a gig. It's been. If anyone was planning to go to the Zulus gig, by the way, it's been postponed till uh, March. I, yeah. March. Yeah, March twenty. I think it is now. Unfortunately, it's supposed to be September nineteenth. Now it's back to March. Yeah. So yeah. there's that. Yeah. But six more months. They've been out for twenty years. So. The, the amazing <laughs> thing is, there's a lot of bands that are still really good. And this is back, you know, 35 years later and they're still going strong. John Butcher, you know, excellent. You know, Stompers. Yeah, these are bands that, that have staying power and they, you know, they, they, they stayed around. Some of my favorites, was, uh, it's amazing. I can, and Chachi, you were saying, your, your memories are fuzzy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how many bands are we seeing? We can't, just can't remember. I just cannot remember. Like probably a hundred. And of for instance, like tonight, he mentioned Piggy's Pizza, and all of a sudden that <laughs> opened a floodgate of memories about, oh yeah, I forgot, Piggy's Pizza. <laughs> yeah. You know, and a friend called me today and reminded me about, uh, you know, a bunch of different shows that I've seen there, and it, you just they escape your memory, but little things bring them back. But the, well, the great thing about the channel story and the website is so many people who are there always write in their experiences, yeah. and people are invited to do that to go to the website. And, and a lot of people have been doing that. They want to share their memories because the channel was an important part of Did people's lives. Did you share yours, lives. Chachi? I share them all the time with Harry. I right. saw on the podcast. Okay, yeah, I work in the podcast okay. with him, but. Where but, do you sh- where do you do the voice? Where do you do it? I, I've actually built a studio in my house, and uh, we're able to do it. In Hull, yeah. And uh, we, you know, a lot of the stuff we get by phone or by Skype. Yeah. We got Dan Vitali from Bim Scalabim from his home in um, Panama. 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 He lives able, in Panama. Do you believe that? No. Well, he's yes. Great. And actually, he's in town now. He's going to be playing at uh, the uh, Beachcomber and Wealth Wealth uh, Wealthly. Yeah. Wealthly tomorrow. Tomorrow and, night. And I'm actually going to go see him and. Uh, you know, and, and it's a great band. I love them, and they've been around for all this time, and they still continue to come in and yeah. tour and do very well. I Big, used, I've, into, I've, I've emceed so many BIM shows because they're one of my favorite Bim. bands of all time. Yeah, great, great Big ones for me were Tones on Tail and Offshoot of Bauhaus. Yeah. I love them. Jesus and Mary Chain. Yeah. The Jesus and Mary Chain. Echo and the Bunnymen. Really early on, I remember standing right up front seeing Peter Dayton Band. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Au Pair, Iggy Pop. 
Iggy Pop wasn't my favorite for some reason. It didn't really stand up. Spinal Tap, of course, stands up. One thing we didn't talk about were the annual Halloween Cramps shows. Yeah, well, we did the Cramps a few years. We did the Fools uh, one the year fools. With, with Freddy Krueger. I don't remember special. that. He, he emceed. I did oh, not really? remember that. Wow. Ready? Yeah. That's and, great. Uh, and, uh, oh, there was one act that I am the, the only person, well, maybe the first caller, Peter, he knows of them too, Nash the Slash was a guy from Canada who was a one-man act. Yes, I remember that. He played the electric violin with all kinds of looping, yeah. and he wore these really scary outfits. With His whole body was bandaged up with bandages, and he had a construction hat that was all melted. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was really something. Nash Crazy. the Slash. We're going to have to look him up. Look yeah. him up. Yeah. And I think he recently passed away. Oh, I remember, think, you know, that was that was it. Wow, you know, this is this is... Who I am, baby, at the channel. <laughs> Not, nobody else was there, but it was great. Thank you so much for <laughs> helping you. me remember. And Chachi, thanks for coming. A in. Pleasure to be here and to pleasure to, to work here. with Harry. Yeah. You're so important to us. You know, he's a great guy. You're looking Thank great, you. by the way. Yeah, I feel good. You know, you're walking. I guess. An old guy. Ch Chachi, we're gonna walk soon. Yes, we are going to walk, walk next week. For real. Urban hike. We're not going to talk the talk. We're no, gonna we're going to do the do. The walk. Do yes. The do. <laughs> Sean, thank you very much. Thank too. you. Appreciate it. Great couple hours. It's fun. Yay, I will. TheChannelStory.com. TheChannelStory.com. Share your memories. Yeah. ChannelStory.com. TheChannelStory. TheChannelStory.com. Yeah. It's WBZ. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.